Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. We honor God, our Father, Jesus, our Redeemer, Holy Spirit, who lives within every believer. Thank God for my lovely bride of 37 years. Pastor Dave and Mama Ann, in their absence to all of the wives and their spouses and deacons and deaconess, mothers, ushers, media ministry, men singing out of their hearts about the stone that was rolled away. To all of you, my father's children, it's good to be here this morning as we spring forward. Some of us are a little bit tired from having lost an hour of sleep, maybe more. Nevertheless, we have an assignment, and there is a word from the Lord. Miss Pat had, had sent me an email, and then she began to harass me because I was late getting her my notes. And in my haste, I misnamed the sermon. So if I would, can I give it a B name? For a B name, we're going to look at, are you about the father's business? Are you about the father's business? Pastor Dave, in his recent Email correspondence has changed his signature block from SHS sowing his seeds to, what is it? I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. Taken from John 9, 4, for says, when the night cometh, no man can work. Brother Jeff mentioned on Wednesday night that traditionally Hebrew fathers would teach their young men a trade. That way they would be able to sustain their family members by working a physical job. Not only that, but you'll find in our culture, Brother Fred Rouse, if you remember, and others who are at that age and our generation, if you grew up in your father's house and if your father was a construction worker, guess what you most likely had some experience in? If your father was, uh, had a restaurant, more than likely you would learn how to run a restaurant. I had the benefit, Brother Mac, of growing up, and my father at that time was into auto mechanics. Amen. He had his own shop, and I remember 
Very vividly from the time that I was able to hold the wrench, I found myself in the shop. I learned how to pull transmissions and engines and I watched him when he rebuilt engines and I take off alternators and remove radiators and replace them, etc., etc. But one of the things that I realized in the winter time, uh, it wasn't very accommodating because we didn't have heaters in the shop. And when it was cold, when your knuckles would hit those engine blocks, it would hurt. So by God's grace, God opened the door to allow me to matriculate at Payne College. But when I came back for the summer, I still had to work in my father's shop. One of the motivating factors was in finishing college was when I would go home in the winter time and had to lay down on a cold concrete floor and drop a transmission getting dirt in my eyes and I said I didn't don't want to do this for the rest of my life. It motivated me to finish college. Not only that I understood who I was in my daddy's service station. Why? Because the name said Dunbar Service Station, and I knew that I was a Dunbar. So there was no mistaking of identity. And when others would come into the service station, they had to hold a certain rapport because I had a zeal for my father's service station. And even when he was away, you couldn't just do any and everything in his shop. Amen. Not only that, but I remember very vividly that I was employed by my father's business even after I graduated from Payne College and until I got that faithful call in his shop one day and they asked me if I wanted to come and work at Robbins Air Force Base. Glory to his name. Without hesitation, August the 5th, 1982, I found myself, 81, I found myself gainfully employed by the federal government. But even when I went back home on vacation, a lot of the times I found myself where? In my father's shop. And so I asked somebody this morning, are you about your father's business many of us here this morning we are not about our father's business because we are unsure of who we really are we are unsure maybe unaware of who we belong to you may not realize that you are part of a chosen generation you may not know that you were adopted into the family before the foundation of the world. God has chosen you. You may not understand that you just didn't wake up one morning and decide to get saved. But it was by the grace of God that we have been saved. For the scripture reminds us, for by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of work, lest any man should boast. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So Paul lets us know that we have been saved by grace, but grace enables us to work while it is day. 
We find this morning as we look at Jesus' life, he gives us illumination and direction. So rather than taking our cues from the world, we need to look at what Jesus was about. Jesus told his mother uh, and his father when they were looking for him in the temple that I, that I must be about my father's business. And this morning you have to understand that we need to be about our father's business. When we look at the temple, we find that there are two references to the temple in John chapter 2. When Jesus, he, he was, was, was talking with the elders and he shared with them in John chapter 2, looking at, at verse 19, he says, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it is taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? And then in verse 21, he gives clarity, and he says, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Not only that, but you will find that when they referenced the, 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 the temple that it took 46 years to build, it was a, a it was an illustrious facility. It was it was a temple that Herod had spent a whole lot of money to build. And the Jews, they their whole life and time was centered around the temple. Matter of fact, it took its pattern after the tabernacle. The tabernacle that Moses was given a vision of when he was up on the holy mountain. And you find then that the temple it gives us a picture. Uh, for us to, to recognize and understand that we, we can know who we are if we are associated with the temple or, in our day and time, the church of the living God. Not only that, but we will find that we will be confirmed in the house of God. We will also need to understand that we need to find ourselves visiting and, and, and just camping out, if you will, in the house of God. And we, if we do, we'll grow fond of the house of God. Now, I'm not just necessarily referring to a physical building. But in Jesus' time, they had to look to the temple for direction. Why? Because God had told Moses way back in the, in the wilderness, he said, to erect a tabernacle. And he said, he erected in a particular place, and he said, there my name will dwell. And there they, they, they got direction from the tabernacle because God told them when they was wandering in the wilderness, he said, when they when the when the cloud would move, they had to fold up the tabernacle and they had to take the, the, the skins off of the top of the tabernacle. And they had to put the poles through the Ark of the Covenant and the priest had to carry the Ark of the Covenant wandering to the wilderness until the cloud would stop. And when the cloud would stop, they would re reenact or reset up the, the tabernacle and God was settled there and there you would find an unholy people could meet with a holy God. And so Jesus, he had a, an affinity for the temple simply because God had given instruction for them to build the temple. We too have been called out of darkness and we too, uh, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
And so we find that if we look and ask the question, are you about your father's business? You will find that Jesus, he made several visits to the temple. Matter of fact, if we look at the particular visits that he made to the temple and it would give us an understanding of how we can we can learn who we are by the Holy Spirit. So we, we look at the temple and but before we get there, but, but Paul also make reference to Acts chapter eight. When he said uh, in Acts chapter eight, verse twenty nine, in whom God foreknew, he also predestined. Whom he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestinated, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. How did Jesus glorify the Father? And so when we look at the life of Jesus, it is evident that he was, he was, a, he was a man, the God-man of prayer. And so it lets us know that if we want to understand who we are and if we want to be about our father's business, we have to be people of prayer. And it is in Jesus's prayer life we will get a picture of what it means for him to glorify the father. So look at John chapter 17, if you will. John chapter 17 Beginning at verse 1. John 17, 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. See, Jesus knew who he was. That your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Look at verse four in particular. He says, I have glorified you on the earth. So then the question is. How did Jesus glorify the Father on the earth? It's right there in the text of verse 4. He says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So how did he glorify the Father? He glorified the Father by finishing the work that the Father gave him to do. And I submit to you this morning that if you don't know what work the Father has given you to do, then you cannot glorify the Father. We like to say give, uh, give glory to God, but if you're not living the life that God has called you to live, if you're not walking the way that God has called you to walk, if you're not speaking the thing that the Spirit is leading you to speak, then you are not glorifying the Father, so hence you're not about your Father's business. Lest I distract you, may be about your Father's business, but you're of the wrong family. Jesus said to the Pharisees that you are of your Father the devil in John 8, 44, and his works you will do. So think about it, if you're doing the work of the enemy, then guess who your daddy is? You need to check your DNA. Jesus declares 
in John chapter 5, verse 30, he said, I did not come to seek my own will, but to seek the will of him that sent me. You see, we have been taught in the church by some false teachers that you just do whatever you want to do. You just go wherever you want to go. No, you can't do what you want to do and you can't go where you want to go. Matter of fact, we sometimes carry that on into our families. And we'll tell our children, I hate to discourage someone, but if you're telling your child they can be whatever they want to be, that's a lie. They can't be whatever they want to be. You tell them to find out what God wants you to be, and then you find yourself moving toward that way. I know it sounds good, but it's not biblical. I can't be what I want to be. I, I can tell my son that he can be whatever he want to be. No, you find out what God has called you to be. Then be what God has called you to be. It may be an NBA player. It may be that. But you can't just tell them they can be what it. I wanted to, I wanted to play basketball. I did. All five, seven of me wanted to play. Tried to play. After I fractured my ankle two times, I realized I can't play. So I became a manager. What we call the water boy. Amen. I couldn't be what I wanted to be. Amen. But we find that we can be about our father's business, but we have to understand and know who we are in Christ Jesus. Jesus knew who he was, for he says in the text that he was his father's son. So observing carefully this high priestly prayer, Jesus said, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. What have been assigned to you to do by the father. You need to finish that work. Some are employed in the family business. But you are like I was when I was at my daddy's garage. My father told me to keep the books. But we had a record and I wanted to drive the record, Mac. But he said, no, you keep the books and let your brother drive the record this time. But no, I want to drive the record. But daddy said, keep the books. Daddy's telling your father telling you something this morning that you that you you are trying to do with all of your heart. But that's not what God has called you to do. We misunderstand that scripture that says, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. The correct interpretation of that scripture is the more I delight myself in the word of God. The more I find myself in the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. The more I, self, I find myself in the word of God, the more the word of the God gets down inside of me. 
And the more the word of God gets down inside of me, the more that my thoughts begin to become God's thoughts. And when God's thoughts become my thoughts, then my desires become God's desires. And when my desires become God's desires, yes, he'll give me the desires of my heart because my desires are his desires. And God's desires is that not any man should perish, but that all may come to repentance. So God's desires is always about his kingdom. Delight yourself in the Lord. He give you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You hear that on TBN. All this stuff that you see these, these TV evangelists got airplanes and big houses and big cars. If you, if you'll just, if you'll just sow, if you'll just do this, if you'll just seek the Lord first and he'll give you all this other stuff. That's not what the scripture says. You have to look at the context of, 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 of the scriptures when in, in, in the sixth chapter. He's talking about what you need to live. Food, clothing, and something to put over your head. He said, he'll give you that. We got to understand what the scripture says. So we have to understand who we are in Christ. The apostle Paul said he, he, he lets us know that he too had a charge. And he said in, in, in second Timothy chapter 4, you know that, that familiar passage said, I have fought a good fight. What he says, I have finished Peter's course. I have finished Timothy's course. No, he said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those that shall love his appearing. Paul said he had a course. And that's where we get that song that we sang. You better run on. You got a race to run. You better run on. You got a race to run. You better run on. Because all of God's children got a race to run. You may not know, but you got a course to run. You got a race to run. But you got to find out what that race is. You got to find out what your course is. My course is not Brandon's course. My course is not Fred's course. My course is the course that God has given me. Are you about your father's business? So he, he completed his earthly work. But when it comes to the temple, is there something very interesting about Jesus' first visit in the temple? Jesus' first visit in the temple from Luke chapter 2 verse 25. He was the Holy Spirit confirmed him by the mouth of two witnesses in the temple. Look at Luke chapter two, verse twenty five. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed his God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, 
a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So, so we find his first visit to the temple. He was confirmed by the Holy Spirit in the mouth of a witness. And there was another witness, Hannah. Hannah also witnessed who he was. And it's, Hannah says he was the redeemer. So not only was he the Christ of God, the Messiah of God, the anointed one of God. He was the Lord. He was God's salvation. He is a light for the Gentiles. And he's the glory of, of, the, of Israel. In verse 30, he is the redeemer. I am convinced that your course is directly tied to your spiritual giftings. I am convinced that the course that God has for you is tied to your spiritual giftings. And if you never know what your spiritual gift is, you will never understand what your course is. And you cannot be about your father's business. Paul continues to write in his epistles, for I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. He was confirmed in the temple on his first visit. How did Jesus bring glory to the Father on earth? By finishing the work which God had given him to do. I'm going to keep asking you that throughout the sermon. So what had God, when God first formed man from the dust of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And then from man, God took a rib and he formed woman, he formed Eve. And God told both of them to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. God had given them a mandate to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. But they was confounded in the Garden of Eden until the tempter came. But after the tempter came and after sin entered the, entered the world and death passed unto all men for all have sinned. But you find that God, since Adam and Eve couldn't carry out the mandate that he had required, then God showed for himself a man out of Ur of the Chaldees. And by faith, Abraham when he was called to go to a land that he knowed out of, he obeyed, went out not knowing where he was going. And God called Abraham, and from Abraham, God, he birthed a nation. And from Abraham came Isaac, and Isaac, and then Jacob, and then the Jacob chain, name chain to Israel, and the children of Israel became a nation. And God told them in Exodus chapter 19, when he had delivered them from bondage in Egypt, God told them in Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, they was on the holy mountain. And God said to Moses, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and captured the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. All people 
to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And in verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Adam and Eve fell. He called people and said, now you shall be my representatives in the earth. And your job is to represent me in the earth. Your job is to share with those who don't know the true and the living God and point them to me, the true and the living God. But we all know what happened to Israel. Israel got over into the promised land and they forgot who brought them over. And as a result, they began to mingle and mix with the idol worshipers and they, they begin to worship the Asherah poles and Baal and they begin to worship the star god Yahweh and Rephidim. They begin to worship all of these false gods. And so God then in, in Matthew chapter 16, when, when God asked Peter, Peter, he says, who does men say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then God in his sovereignty Adam messed up. Israel messed up. Then God said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So God says, I will do it through the church. I'll do it myself. I'll come down and inhabit my people. That's why we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people that we should show forth the praise of him who called us out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of light. He's called us to be his representatives in the earth, but too many of us are not about our father's business. So Jesus... He was confirmed in the temple. Notice in Luke chapter 2 verse 46. Also his second visit to the temple. Luke chapter 2 verse 46. Now so. Look at verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old. They went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days they. As they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him where in the temple. His second visit to the temple. First visit as a child. Now as a 12 year old. 12 year old Bar Mitzvah when they. Uh, Jewish boys they. Receive responsibility as being. If you will mature. And they have a celebration. And they said both. He knows what he was doing. He was both. Listening. To them. And asking them Questions. Wait a minute, why would the Son of God have to listen to anybody? Why would he have to listen to them? Jesus 
he was reasoning with them as a as a as a 12 year old he really wasn't supposed to be in their company but he was listening but then he was asking them questions i can't suppose or imagine what he was asking them but he did write in scripture that says who do men say that i am so maybe he asked them who do you think i am i don't know he may have, he may have asked that but he was if you don't know what your giftings are, if you don't know what your spiritual calling is, then I, I, I submit to you that God will confirm your calling amongst the body of believers. You never find out what God called you to do by staying away from the body of Christ. If you are part of the body of Christ, if you are a hand, why is the hand always missing from the rest of the body? If you are a foot, why the, how, how the body going to go where it needs to go if you're not here? Find out what God has gifted you with. If you've been born again, the, the scripture says all of us have been given a or more than one spiritual gift. Your gift then will make room for you. We find that his he was confirmed in the temple. His parents came and found him in the temple. And then notice, finally, that the person of Jesus was fond of the temple. What do you mean fond of the temple? The word fond means excessively tender or to have an affection for. Jesus had an exceptional Zeal for the temple. Look at John chapter 2, verse 13. John chapter 2, verse 13. Now the Passover, see this is another Passover. And you know the historically and biblically that there were three major feasts that the men was required to attend. So we find that Jesus, he said he didn't come to break the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And then in verse 13, he says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured poured out the changes money and overturned the tables and he said to those who sold dove take these things away do not make my father's house a house of merchandise then the disciples re remembered that it was written zeal for your house is eating me up so Jesus he comes to the temple as he began his earthly ministry. And he found that they was misusing his father's house. Well, what was the proper use for his father's house? Isaiah tells us that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So the father's house was intended for a house of prayer 
for both Jews and Gentiles. Matter of fact, there was a what they called a Gentile court where they could come and they could worship the true and the living God. God's desire was for all men to be saved. And just to reiterate about the video we saw, it's not just for black men or white men. But God wants people from every nation, tribe, and kindred and tongue. How do I know? Because the book of the Revelation tells us that you have redeemed us by thy blood out of every nation and every tribe and every kindred and every tongue. So he wants all people to be saved. So that's why we got to be about our father's business. How do you know that God hadn't called you to go to Zimbabwe? How do you know God hadn't called you to go to India or China? How do you know you don't have an anointing on your life to preach to those who are in Iraq and Iran? You'll never know until you understand your callings. You'll never know until you understand that you've been anointed by the Holy God who called you by name. So we find as we prepare to take our seat that Jesus, he was confirmed in the temple. Parents came and found him in the temple. And he was found at the temple. Well, why was he so zealous about the temple? Because it pleased the father that all men be saved. Not only did it please the father that his house be called a house of prayer for all nations. But Isaiah writes in another Passage in chapter 53, Isaiah said it pleased the father to bruise him. He had put him to grief. He made his soul an offering for sin. What do you mean, preacher? It pleased God for Jesus to take his, his cross up the rugged hill to Golgotha. God was pleased when they hung him high, stretched him wide. God was pleased when he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. It pleased the Father for him to finish the work. And he cried out to Telestine. It is finished. They took him off the cross, laid him in a tomb. But early resurrection day, it pleased God to raise him from the dead by his own glory and his own majesty. And the same power that raised God from the dead now lives in me and I can be about my father's business. I don't have to seek the things of the world with the passing away. But I'm seeking forth and I'm looking for that growing appearing of my great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The one who has redeemed us from all iniquity and purified unto himself a peculiar people. I want to know this morning, are you about your father's business or is it all about you and what you want? As we stand to our feet, customarily here, we extend an invitation to discipleship. We extend an invitation to those who want watch care, those who want to come by letter of Christian experience. You're also welcome. Those who need to be restored. You're welcome. As Minister Lee was, was ministering at Dooley State on Tuesday, I was reminded, oftentimes I read this passage, but I was reminded what 
Paul says to the church at Ephesus. Paul says, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, had he quickened. So what's so spectacular about that preacher? Well, it reminded me that dead men can't respond. It reminded me, and I was encouraged, that if folk fall asleep, that's okay. Because only God can regenerate a heart. Only the Spirit of the living God can bring conviction of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment to come. So if God don't regenerate the heart, they can't cry out and call on the Savior. So God, we're asking in this time that you would quicken the hearts that are dead. Enabling them to call upon your name for salvation. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.